Hi, this is Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne. The name of this radio show is called From Across the Pond. And it's named that way because we put this show together on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, far away from uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, We're so pleased that Premier Radio gives us the time to share what we're thinking and what we believe uh, with our listening audience. We promote Red Letter Christianity. I don't know whether you're keeping up with this movement called Red Letter Christianity, but uh, a lot of us are kind of uh, sad as to what has happened to white evangelicals here in the United States. You on the other side of the pond are probably aware that white evangelicals have overwhelmingly allied themselves with Donald Trump. And uh, many of us are saying, wait a minute, how could you ally yourself with Donald Trump, who is so opposed to immigrants and refugees coming into the country? Uh, Don't you believe in the Jesus who says to welcome the alien, welcome the refugee, welcome the stranger, and whatever you do to the least of them, you do to me? Uh, How do you... How do you evangelicals, you white evangelicals, fall in love with Donald Trump, uh, who uh, basically has a lifestyle of affluence that is a contradiction to everything that Jesus was about? And his willingness to go to war, uh, that scares us in light of a Jesus who said, blessed are the peacemakers. In short, red-letter Christians are those who take the words of Jesus seriously. Here in the United States, we have a lot of old Bibles that have the words of Jesus highlighted in red. And what we're saying to you around the world who listen to this show, uh, go to your Bible, look at the words of Jesus, see what he teaches. And then it says this in Philippians, the second chapter, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you're going to think like Jesus, you got to read about Jesus. And you can read about Jesus by going to the Gospels in the New Testament and picking out the words of Jesus uh, as they are uh, in the United States, often highlighted with red letters. That's where we get our name. You can learn about the movement by going to our website, redletterchristians.org. We broadcast this show from a studio at Cabrini University, which is just across the road from Eastern University. These are two Christian universities. Uh, Cabrini is Roman Catholic, and uh, Eastern is Baptist. But we get along quite well, especially since Vatican II, where the (laughs) hostilities between Catholics and Protestants uh, have been broken down. I'm serving a little church in in South Philadelphia right now. And uh, back when the hostilities were great, like during the 1930s, intense hostilities between the nuns from St. Rita's Church, which is now one of our friendly churches in South Philadelphia, St. John's and St. Rita's gets along quite well. But the nuns would come over, and as the children were going into Sunday school, they would be yelling, you can't go in there or you're going to go to hell. I mean, (laughs) yelling at kids like this. That day is over. We are now friends, and we see ourselves as fellow believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, Shane Claiborne is the guy who does this show along with me, and sometimes he takes the lead. I took the lead today. But uh, I suggested to Shane that we talk about a Roman Catholic brother who has done a great deal for this Red Letter Christian movement. Again, go to the website, redletterchristians.org. But we wouldn't be in existence if it wasn't for a Roman Catholic man, a a Franciscan priest by the name of Richard Rohr. Uh, Shane, how did you get to know Richard Rohr, and how has he impacted your life? 
Well, I, I've gotten to know Richard over a lot of years. I can remember, you know, being really drawn to the Catholic Church and taking, uh, uh, t I took a temporary vow of celibacy, and I was in the middle of all that discernment and thinking of where, you know, what I wanted to spend my life doing, and I encountered Richard, and we started, you know, speaking at events together and doing things, but um, he's been a really, really great friend, and if you don't, if you don't know Richard Rohr, he's a Franciscan, which um, I, I've always been really drawn to, uh, you know, St. Francis of Assisi and Claire. They had this beautiful um, vision that was sparked by um, their encounter with folks that were uh, outcast and uh, marginalized, especially uh, poor folks and folks with leprosy. And so they started this, uh, Francis of Assisi heard this whisper from God, uh, repair my church, which is in ruins. And he literally like went and started repairing this old abandoned cathedral, San Damiano. So I love have, that have you Franciscan ever been to San Damiano? I have been there. Yeah, <laughs> you see, what, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. yeah, if you go to the city of Assisi in in Italy, uh, you uh, one of the highlights is to visit this little ramshackle uh, chapel, and yet there is a spirit of Christ radiating through the place. Uh, Saint Francis, of course, uh, got into this. Because he is, before we ever had the term, a red-letter Christian. Yeah. Uh, he and uh, his friend uh, went to the cathedral in uh, in um, Milan, and uh, excuse me, in Florence. It was in Florence, rather. Went to the uh, cathedral in Florence to hear the mass one morning, and as they walked in, Saint Francis said uh, to his friend, "When they read the Gospels, whatever Jesus tells us to do." Let us promise to do it. So the two of them go in and they sit down and the priest gets up and he starts reading uh, from the Gospels. Mm. And he reads where Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciples, this is what you should do. You should go out two by two. You should take with you nothing, no money, no food. You're simply to go without anything in your hands uh, you're not to take a second change of clothes. Uh, you're uh, not to uh, uh, care about what's going to happen to you. And you're to go from town to town and talk about Jesus, and especially to children. Mm. Uh, make sure that they know about Jesus. And so he and his friends started doing that. Yeah. And wherever they went, they begged for food and the Lord supplied their needs. And they still have his uh, habit, his outfit that he made, you know, in, in the uh, in the cathedral there. So yeah. you can see, <laughs> you yeah. can tell he didn't have many extra clothes, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so Richard Rohr out in Albuquerque, he, he uh, part, of, part of what I love about Richard and the Franciscan spirituality is it keeps together prayer and action. Richard's center is called the Center for um, uh, Contemplation and Action. And so... You, you, you hold those together. And Francis did that. Francis of Assisi was a man of action and a man of prayer. And um, so I, I think that's a good corrective because a lot of our Christianity, there's prayer warriors that don't act very much. And uh, there's other folks that kind of um, are very active, but they, they don't spend much time in prayer. So we really believe in both of those. And uh, Richard believes in both of those. So that Center for Action and Contemplation uh, is a beautiful place. So. Yeah, Richard isn't as old as I am. I'm I'm 84 going on 85, so that's old. Mm -hmm. uh, but he is old enough, and I am really old enough, to remember the 60s 
And yeah. activism was at a level like you wouldn't imagine. You would have loved living in the 60s because most young people, uh, most people like our, our new uh, uh, engineer, Michael, uh, and uh, our old engineer, John, uh, uh, you, you wouldn't know what you guys wouldn't know what it was like uh, back in the 60s where almost everybody was marching and screaming. I mean, I was teaching at the University of Pennsylvania, and the involvement of young people in the movements, the peace movement, the anti-war movement, the race movement, when at one point it was so intense and so many people were marching from the university that they called off final exams. Can you imagine? They, you know, the university said there's no point in us holding final exams because nobody's going to show up. Everybody's out marching for justice. I mean, can you imagine that kind of intensity on university campuses? Now they're kind of boring places compared to what they were back there and then. Uh, you know, I'd walk into class when I was teaching at Penn and say hi, and they would fight with me for 20 minutes over the moral implications of the statement and was I committed to the justice movements of our time. Uh, but uh, Richard Rohr was alive at that time, and I was alive at that time, and we saw these activists, and people say, what happened? What happened to those movements? We need them now more than ever. What happened to that activism that challenged the injustices of society? We don't see it in the world today, and Richard Rohr has the answer. Now, to be fair, though, we've had some of the biggest marches in our, our country's history in the last three years. You know, you know the—, the Women's March, the uh, March for Our Lives, the Parkland students. So, I, I mean, I, I, st I, think, I know, stand corrected. I stand corrected. I'll tell you what the problem is. And you don't use Twitter. No, yeah. it, it's, I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is that the press doesn't give it the attention that it deserves. Hmm. You're going to have a million people march, and uh, there'll be a story about it on page two of the newspaper. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, so... Uh, it, it was vibrant through the, and the churches were actively involved in ways that they are not today. Mm. But students on university campuses were, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. University students, I mean, uh, Eastern students are very passive compared to what they were in the 60s. Uh, Cabrini was just getting off the ground as a new university in the 60s. I mean, it was just trying to figure out, are, are we going to be a university? And I don't know whether you guys who are working here, it was an old women's school at one point. And, uh, uh, you know, when it became co-ed, it began to explode in size. But uh, uh, the, there, was, there was activism on the campuses. And uh, Richard Roy watched this and watched that activism die. And when you ask him, why did it die? And the answer is because the energy to keep these movement go movements going comes from God. Hmm. The energy uh, that fosters uh, opposition to war, to racism, to sexism, to homophobia, to Islamophobia, the energy to stand against the injustices and the evils of our time really is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And if you're not into prayer, if you're not into spiritual renewal, and so this Catholic brother is reminding people like me, Baptists, it's not enough to march, it's not enough to evangelize. You have to spend time in contemplation and in spiritual renewal. Tell me yeah. about your uh, spiritual life in respect to Richard Rohr. Well, I so one of the things that we did uh, is we we built on uh, you know this book Common Prayer, where Richard was very helpful, and um, and many other kind of parts of the church, Orthodox, Christian, Pentecostal, we all came together and um, um, 
created this this prayer book. But it, what's what's beautiful? May I give a plug for the prayer book? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You uh, were a major participant, but there are a couple of other people that work with you. Enuma, in... yeah, Okora, and Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, and we but we had about thirty other folks, and Richard was one of those voices that we were really listening to as we're crafting it. Yeah, so the book is available, and let me say, uh, as I travel around, and I travel around a lot, I often am in the studies of a pastor or a priest, and I see that book on the shelf. You could go out and order it at a local bookstore, or if nothing else, you can call Amazon and get it. It's called Common Prayer. Common Prayer, yeah, a liturgy for ordinary radicals. That's, That's what, we what it is. And it's got, you know, 50 songs in it. There's there's a phone app now. You, you, I don't know if you knew this. No, time, I but didn't. We, there's a, so there's an app for the the uh, iPhone, but also for um, the Androids. And so you can, that's why I use my travel now, because I got all my phones. So I can listen to Jonathan and the wonderful folks at Root by House, like singing these beautiful hymns and spirituals. But that, like all through the book, it also connects uh, Christian practices, or we, we, we call them holy habits, you know, like things that we want to do um, actively to live out our faith. So it's a prayer and action book. You were on this uh, month-long journey across the United States, speaking in how many cities? Just now, 37. 37 cities in a month. Not quite days. a month. 40 days, yeah. 40 days? Yeah. Oh, it was 40 days? Okay. We did, we, we, this is this season before Lent, right? Uh, oh, so we, there Yeah, you we go. had to, uh, like, are, six weeks. The so. Catholics <laughs> have gotten to you, haven't they? The Lent thing. Well, we were melting guns down, yeah, you yeah. know, so it's a great way to uh, get I, ready for Easter. Yeah, I don't know whether the news of this may, reached across the pond to you folks in the United Kingdom, but... Uh, Shane and his wife uh, went across the country, meeting people along the way to join them in opposition to gun violence. Uh, and um, uh, everywhere they went, they called people who had guns to come and join them. And they put this the guns in this cauldron and heated it up and melted the guns down and turned them into farm tools into farm implements, instruments. So, and, some nights we even had people in the middle of the, the program that said, you know what, this is pretty moving. I'm going to go home and get my guns, and I'll be right whoa, back. So man. it was pretty great. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was so there it goes. Time. There it goes. So they were on this thing uh, against gun violence, which is an incredibly serious mess here in the United States. Uh, we're, Shane and I are going to be over in the United Kingdom in June, uh, you know, so uh, check out your website, and you'll find out uh, where we're going to be. Uh, I, I know we're hitting almost every major city in, in the United Kingdom. And so come uh, and visit us. Go to the website, check out where we're going to be speaking and when we're going to be doing our thing as we promote Red Letter Christians in the United Kingdom. And uh, one of the things that we'll be doing is taking confiscated knives from the streets of the UK and uh, creating art out of them. So it'll be it'll be powerful. It's interesting. We got to deal with the whole question of men and women's hearts, not just the weapons, but you got to change people's hearts because they don't have as many guns over in the United Kingdom. But it they go still go around killing people, but they do it with knives rather than guns over there. So, so we're, we're going to be melting down. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be melting down knives wherever we go. So. Uh, uh, join us over there uh, as we spread the Red Letter Christian and um, tell us about the guy who's leading the whole march over there. Yeah, Ash Barker's uh, leading us through the UK uh, as we, we travel to the different cities. So, and, and what he's got now is a group of leaders in the UK that are uh, love this movement of Red Letter Christianity. So they're building a, a group of leaders and, um, and, and trying to practice a, a more beautiful 
Christianity than a lot of what people have experienced. Because I think what you know what we see in the U.S. is a lot of people say that they've rejected Christianity, but they've really just rejected a certain version yeah. of. Uh, a lot of times, it doesn't even look much like Jesus anyway. But um, so we're we're trying to practice something better. And you know, we were talking about Richard Rohr earlier. And one of the things that Richard says is the best critique of what's wrong is the practice of something better. It's a good line. Mm. So you know, if we see a Christianity that's kind of lost its way, then we try to practice a better version of it. And we're going to take a short minute uh, while Shane tells us, tells you out there who we are and what we're doing on this show. Yeah, so this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're on every week at this time, and the name of the show is Across the Pond. We spend a lot of time talking about Jesus and justice in the world um, and, and, and seeing our faith not just as a ticket into heaven, and a license to ignore the world we live in, but that our faith actually causes us to care about the world we live in, to care about injustice and poverty and racism and, and violence. And so um, the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about wasn't just something we go up to when we die, but something we're to bring on earth while we live. So if this is interesting to you, you can also find a lot of great resources on our website, redletterchristians.org. And one of my favorite parts is you can go to this, there's a little click you you do on people and you can see dozens and dozens of other writers and speakers and leaders that are um, uh, living out a beautiful version of Christianity. And uh, uh, Shane and I have a book uh, called The Red Letter Revolution. Uh, you can go to the website, find out about that book and uh, order that book, but it kind of communicates what we're trying to do on this radio show. Uh, we're talking about Richard Rohr, uh, a very, very prominent speaker on the circuit. Uh, he uh, wrote a book just recently. I just read it and studied it in depth, The Universal Christ. Mm. And his point is that a lot of people think that um, until Jesus was born, Christ didn't exist, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, they, they think that Christ is the last name of Jesus, you know. Yeah. It's not. Before Jesus was ever born, yea, before the foundation of the earth, Christ was. Christ is the second member of the Trinity. Uh, there's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and the name of the second member of the Trinity is Christ. Richard Rohr says, Christ is in everything and in everyone. Mm. And when you are spiritual, when you've really gotten into contemplation, mm. when your prayer life is rich, as evidently his is, because I, I've been around him and you feel the presence of Christ when you're near him, you feel the presence of Christ in other people. Mm. Uh, you want to want to embrace and love other people. You want to reach out to those who are poor and oppressed because you sense that Christ is in them and is suffering in them and through them. And so your whole attitude towards uh, other people changes. Mm. He carries it even to the natural environment. He feels Christ in the physical universe. Mm. He feels Christ in trees and in animals. He, he feels a spiritual presence in everything. A lot of people will accuse him of being, quote, a new age person. There's a big difference between new age people and Richard Rohr. Rich Rohr Richard Rohr says that Christ is sacramentally present hmm. through these elements and through other people. Hmm. There's That's a, big, a good line. There's a big difference between saying nature is God, nature is Christ, and saying Christ communicates himself through nature, through other people. You encounter Christ through them. 
And Christ is over more, always more than and beyond uh, what you encounter in other people and in other things. I'll, I'll give you just an example of that that Richard and I have uh, talked about together is when we in Philadelphia, our, our city started to pass a lot of really terrible laws that discriminated against the homeless. And one of those was a feeding ordinance that you couldn't share food with homeless people in the parks and stuff. So we ended up challenging all those laws. We went to jail and everything else. But one of the most powerful moments was when he we— He says that so casually. Um, we went to jail and everything else. Yeah, go, go <laughs> Just ahead. got five minutes yeah, left. Yeah. So, but we, you know, as we, uh, as we were testifying, Tony, um, one of our Catholic uh, brothers, he's a, 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 a theologian, and he argued powerfully that when we feed the homeless, we don't believe we're just feeding some pitiful poor person. We believe it's sacramental. We believe we're feeding Jesus. Yes. And to say that we cannot feed the homeless is to say that we cannot feed Christ. And it actually went all the way to a federal court uh, because we were arguing it was a violation of our religious freedom. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we won. Um, but, you know, that's when you think of like welcoming immigrants, you know, because there's a lot of people in our country that talk about religious freedom, but they don't think about it sacramentally like this. Like when we welcome immigrants, we believe we're welcoming Jesus. Yeah. And it is a violation of our religious freedom to say that you can't um, offer hospitality to uh, someone in crisis or an asylum seeker. And so I think we got some great challenges. You know, and it's a different way of thinking of the world, too. If we think, you know, as we welcome someone, we are welcoming Jesus, that we might be entertaining angels unawares, as the scripture says. So this is holy work and, and uh, uh, caring for our brothers and sisters is one of the most uh, beautiful ways we see God is that one Scripture says, who has seen God? But if we love one another, God is among us. Yeah, in, in 1 John, you just quoted St. John, 1 John, uh, the epistle in the, in the New Testament. May, may I point out that uh, uh, John says this, which is, picks up what you just said. If you can't love your neighbor who you can see, mm. then how can you love a God you cannot see? Mm. Whoa, that's a good question that there is no other way of connecting with Jesus except by connecting with those who come to us sacramentally, mm. to use Catholic terminology, mystically in people who are in need. And, and that's, uh, that's crucial to what our movement is about. The Red Letter Christians movement takes Jesus seriously. We may not all agree on the transubstantiation of the Eucharist or, you know, the the bread and wine, but we can agree on the sacramental nature of humanity that any time we care for another person, we're caring for Christ. Amen. Amen. And uh, please note that that's what Jesus says in the 25th chapter of Matthew. As a matter of fact, if you go to our website, redletterchristians.org, there's a place where you can sign on and identify yourself as a red letter Christian. And as part of that, you you sign a pledge that you're going to take Matthew 25, the last few verses of that chapter, seriously, where Jesus says, I was hungry, did you feed me? Naked, did you clothe me? Sick, did you care for me? I was in prison, did you visit me? For inasmuch as ye do it unto the least of these, you're doing it to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we take that literally, we take that uh, powerfully. We, we really say to be a red-letter Christian is to, in fact, reach out to the poor and the needy in the name of Jesus, and uh, to sense Jesus there. Uh, Richard Rohr says that Christ always was. 2,000 years ago, the Christ that was eternal and before the creation of the world, and yea, the creator of the world, became a human being, incarnated himself in a man named Jesus of Nazareth. 
Mm. Now Christ wants to be alive in the world again. He wants to invade each of you, our listeners. He wants to invade Shane and me. He wants to be alive in us. And if Christ is alive in us, we become the body of Christ, which is what the church teaches. We are the body of Christ. You say it's not the same thing as Jesus. Oh, yes, it is. Read the eighth chapter of Romans where it says, and the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus and raised him from the dead, that same spirit shall be in your mortal bodies. And so that's the message of Richard Rohr. It's a message that red letter Christians around the world are articulating. Well, we're wrapping up the show, and I'll let you do that, Shane. <laughs> you wrap it up and take us home. So check out Richard's stuff if you're not familiar with it. He's a dear friend and a red letter Christian, and his newest book is uh, The Universal Christ. Isn't that a great title? Yeah, and yeah. and uh, uh, you can see uh, Richard and a bunch of other resources on our website, redletterchristians.org. More than anything, keep leaning into Jesus, and everyone you meet, be ready to encounter the, the universal Christ. As the you universal see Christ. Uh, because... Dorothy, Dorothy Day, she said, the only true atheist is the one who cannot see Jesus in their neighbor. Yeah. So uh, look closely and, um, and be ready for the, the mystical, transcendent God to encounter you as you live. Christ was incarnated in the universe before he was incarnated in Jesus, and now he's incarnated in us. And on that note, Go to the website, redletterchristians.org. Blessings on you. Keep the faith.